0: everyone and welcome back to the latest interview in my business success tips series. It's my great pleasure to introduce you to a friend of mine chap by the name of Keith Dolby and he is a franchising expert. Uh, He's commonly known as a franchising consultant, advisor or broker and he puts together franchisors with franchisees, people who want to own franchises here in the UK and in Europe. So, I'll hand over to Keith. Keith, welcome and thank you for talking to me today.
1: Thank you Adele, happy to be here.
0: Firstly, let's start with a bit of uh, career information. Would you please tell me about your career um, and the progression uh, through it and, and how that got you to where you are today, where you're focused on the, um, the franchising world?
1: Sure. My background is actually IT. I spent about 25 years working in the software industry. Uh, Rose up to the point where I was actually running the company that that I worked for. I was the managing director. And in 2007, I sold my shares, decided to leave. And at the same time, decided I didn't really want to spend the rest of my working life in IT. I'd, I'd done it for long enough. So I started looking for different things to do, and somebody suggested franchising. I didn't know anything about franchising, but it seemed like a reasonable idea when I started to do some research. So I did what I've always done in my life and tried to find an expert to guide me through the whole process of researching the franchising industry. And to be perfectly honest, I couldn't find one in the UK. Uh, I approached a firm in uh, America, a firm called Matchpoint and asked them if they could help me, and they said, well, we're actually looking for the very first person to start the match point business in the UK. So, back in 2008, I became their first UK broker, and here I am some seven and a half years on, still doing it.
0: So, tell me exactly what is a franchise broker?
1: It's very similar to a recruitment consultant, in the sense that I am paid by franchisors to find them suitable franchisees. And what one franchisor is looking for is a completely different person to what another one's looking for. So it's exactly the same as when an employer goes to an executive search agency and says, this is the vacancy I have, find me somebody who fits the bill.
0: And Okay, so I get that. I've got loads of questions for us, so we'll just uh, shoot the breeze here a little bit. Firstly, let's start with the the size of the franchising world um in the, in the worldwide market. How big is it? You know, um what's what's the scale of it in say America, UK, Europe, for instance?
1: Sure. Uh the largest market in the world in terms of number of franchises available is the USA. There are approximately 4,000 different franchises available out there. The largest market in terms terms of franchisees per capita is actually Australia, there are more franchisees per head of population in Australia than anywhere else in the world, uh, the UK uh, by comparison is is a relatively small market, there's, a, there's about a thousand franchises just short of that available in the UK at the moment, but it does contribute about £14 billion pounds to the UK economy each year and over half a million people are involved in franchises in the UK, either as franchisees or as employees of a franchisee. So there's, there's quite a few people doing it, even though it's nowhere near as big as it is in uh, the likes of the USA.
0: So is there any reason for that? Why is the UK um, less interested or less developed in the franchising concept than, say, USA or, or Australia, as you ha- highlighted?
1: I think it's a cultural thing. I think in the USA and Australia, it is far more common that an individual wants to live the dream, own their own business, be in charge of their own destiny. Uh, To give you a simple stat, in the USA, approximately 10% of all veterans leaving the military will buy a franchise when they come out. In the UK, it's less than 1%. So I think we have much more a culture in the UK of get yourself a nice steady nine to five job. Keep your head down, do your time, come out with a nice little pension at the end. It's just a different attitude. There are less entrepreneurs in the UK than there are typically in the USA or Australia.
0: So just to digress for a moment, given uh, how much is um, being spoken about around small business, entrepreneurship in the UK and and around the world, are you seeing any movement in those stats or, or intuitively do you feel that people are starting to be more interested in the, the idea of, of franchising?
1: I think there's always a huge number of people who are interested in running their own business. I think if you asked most people in the UK, ideally, they'd love to be their own boss. It's about having the courage to do it. And the reality is the vast majority of people will go through their entire working life wishing they ran their own business, but never actually doing anything to make it happen. I'm dealing with the select group that either have always known that they couldn't work for somebody else. They need to run their own business or have made that mental mind shift and have said enough of corporate life. I've only got so many working years left. I'm going to go and do something for myself and I'm going to make it happen.
0: So do you think it's uh, the differences in, in culture, if you like, between America, Australia and, and UK is something to do with how prevalent the public sector is in our lives in the UK as I uh, perceive it to be or relative to what I perceive it to be in the US and Australia?
1: I don't think it's necessarily just about the public sector. It's about the fact that if you go back a generation or two, it was expected that you came out of education and went into a large company, often as an apprentice, but somewhere that you would typically work for life. And I think that culture is still very prevalent in the UK, far more than it is in a lot of other countries.
0: Mm, okay. So what attracted you to becoming a franchise broker?
1: Well, effectively, I was being offered the opportunity to become an expert because I couldn't find one in the UK that would enable me to research the franchising market in the UK to find a franchise suitable for myself which was ultimately what I was trying to do but at the same time I could be helping other people make that transition and earning money as a result of it so to me it was a win-win I got the expert advice and rather than having to pay for it I actually earned money from it Uh, I intended to do it for two years whilst I was researching a franchise myself, and here I am some eight years later on still doing it because I love every minute of it.
0: (laughs) So if, if a listener listening to this is interested in exploring franchise opportunities, why would they talk to someone like you, a franchising broker, about their desire?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. It's one I get asked quite regularly. Probably the simplest way of addressing it is to say, if you're ill, you go to the G, your, your GP. They are the expert. If you're buying a house, you use a law firm to, to do the conveyancing for you. You use an expert. Nowadays, most of us couldn't repair our own cars. They're too technically advanced. So we take it to the garage and use an expert. Well, Buying your own business is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. If you get it wrong, it could be disastrous. So you'd be crazy not to use an expert, especially as it's free. Just like a recruitment agency, I don't charge the franchisee, I charge the franchisor. So, free expert advice. Who would say no?
0: Hmm. So, what steps do you take them through in that process of advising them, and, and why?
1: Well, part of the why is to see if people can follow processes and procedures. A franchise is typically a system. It's been defined in a way that says, if you do this, this, and this, you'll get customers, and if you get customers, you'll be able to earn money. And One of the biggest challenges franchising has is people who buy a franchise and then don't follow the system. They try and do things their own way. So I do take people through a set process. And part of that is to assess whether they're prepared to follow that process or whether they're going to try and make me follow a process that they want to go through. So we start off with some profiling. We do psychometric profiling. Uh, One of the things that I sometimes get from people is they will say to me, oh, psychometric profiling, that's rubbish. I'm not going to do that. Well, that straight away is telling me this is somebody who doesn't like following other people's systems. So, in fact, I've probably just completed my research into that person and decided they're not suited to a franchise business. Uh, But if they do the profiling, I would then get some background questionnaires from them, start to understand a little bit more about them and what their aspirations are and why they're thinking about doing this. And then we start seeing how serious they are by tying them down to some time. I will actually spend about two hours doing a consultation with each person I work with. And again, people who aren't that serious tend to find excuses for not being able to give me two hours of their time. People who are serious will quite happily give me two hours because this is important research for them. Once we've done that, I'll go out and research the market for them. As I said, there are around about a thousand franchises in the UK. I can normally narrow that down to three or four franchises that I think that individual is absolutely suited to and would be interested in based on what they've told me within a matter of a few days that's part of the the expertise i bring getting it down to the best brands for you as quickly as possible and then finally i coach the individual through the research most people have never done it before they're worried about making a mistake missing something getting it wrong buying the wrong franchise losing all their money well i coach them through the whole process of investigation i own and operate two franchises myself i've had to walk the walk before i can talk the talk as it were so i will hold their hand through the whole investigation process so that when they say yes or no to a particular franchise they are as confident as they possibly can be that this is the right decision
0: and uh, what types of franchises do you represent here in the uk and in europe
1: it's mainly what's called service brands so business to business or business to consumer Um, don't tend to get involved with the big retail brands for example You don't need me to tell you there's a brand out there called McDonald's and you can buy franchises to it. And therefore, McDonald's won't pay a broker to introduce a franchisee to them. They rely on their name doing it for them. So typically, I'm working with brands that are much more choosy about the type of individuals they take on. Often, they won't even advertise. To give you an example, I... I work with a brand, I've worked with them for about five years now. In 2010, they advertised heavily and got 3,000 inquiries throughout the whole year from people who were interested in their franchise. They didn't take on a single one. In the subsequent five years, they've never advertised once, they just work with me. I've sent them five people in that five years, so only one a year three of them have gone on to become successful franchisees with that brand. So in terms of saving the franchise the time and trouble of sifting through lots and lots of requests from people who are ultimately inappropriate, um, those brands are the ones that tend to want to work with, with the broken network, the ones that are very selective. Um, but having said that, you're not limited to just working with the brands that I introduce you to. I'm going to show you how to investigate a franchise brand. And once I've put that knowledge in your head, I can't take it out. So therefore, you can use that knowledge to go and investigate any other brand available in, in the UK or whatever marketplace you happen to be in. It's not in any way a restrictive process.
0: So um, you said that you do some psychological uh, profiling, um, psychometric assessments, etc. Is there a typical profile that you're, you're looking for that you know on average, is going to be really successful in the, in the franchising world?
1: It's about matching the person to the role that they're going to perform as a franchisee. So some franchises require you to be a strong leader. Uh, others would actually see a strong leader as, as a bit of a challenge to maybe the customers you're going to be de- dealing with. They want somebody who's maybe got a slightly softer side. So it really is about matching certain people up to franchises they're suited to. Um, the, one of the um, the, the keys to doing this is it's got to be the right franchise for you. Just because somebody else is being successful at it doesn't mean you're going to be successful unless you have a similar personality to the individual who is being successful.
0: Mm. So you take the potential franchisee through, through a process you support them through their due diligence and then a number of them purchase a franchise do you have any connection with them thereafter is it in a support role or just a hello how are you how's it going kind of role
1: tend to stay in touch Um, the the reason for that is uh, people will often be asked once they build a successful business how did you get into this what made you do it I think I could do what you do by their friends and people around them and they are usually then quite good at saying, well, just because I'm good at this, it doesn't mean you're going to be. I know someone you should talk to, though, if you're interested in researching the market. So, yes, of course, I stay in touch with the people that I have put into franchises. I try not to pester and annoy them. I probably drop them an email every six months just to see how things are going. Um, because once that I've placed them in a franchise, it's the franchisor's role to really work with them to make them successful.
0: And, and I'm sure we've all heard the, the good, the bad, and the ugly stories about franchising. So is there a, in your experience, given where you sit in this process, is there a difference between what a potential franchisee thinks the business is going to be like versus what becomes their reality? Or, or is it reasonably perfectly matched because they've gone through a broker?
1: Well... If they've gone through a broker, yes, it should be. If they haven't gone through a a broker, it depends entirely on their due diligence. Some people will look at a brand, they'll fall in love with the end product, they'll have this idyllic dream of what they think working in this business would be like, and before they know it, they've signed the agreement, handed over their money. And then they actually find out the reality of what do they do for a living each day. Uh, effectively one of the things you have to remember is that when you start your own business you become sales and marketing director on day one you've got to find customers if you can't find customers it doesn't matter what it is that you've, you've got to offer you're not going to be successful so for example you might find somebody who falls in love with a product or a service buys it and then finds that the way they get customers is to pick the phone up the first thing in the morning take 50 numbers out of the local telephone directory and cold call each and every one of them with a view to trying to get two appointments. And that is the franchisor's proven way of being successful. And they don't like doing it. They've never cold called before. I can guarantee you by the end of the first week, they'll be down to maybe doing 15 or 20 calls a day instead of 50. By the end of the second week, they'll probably have stopped altogether and they'll be trying to do other things to generate inquiries, other things that are not recommended by the franchisor. And within six months, they'll probably be out of business. So making sure you do your due diligence properly should mean there are no nasty surprises. And understanding your role in generating the inquiries The way I tend to explain it to people is a franchise is a vehicle to exploit your talents. If you get the wrong vehicle or you haven't got any talents, you're not going to be successful. And the final thing to remember is uh, franchising in the UK is a completely unregulated industry. Anybody can create a business and start selling franchises to it. I don't think there's many rogues out there, but there are certainly plenty of people who are offering what they consider to be fantastic business opportunities that once you dig a little deeper and do basic due diligence, you'll realize it's not the wonderful, fantastic thing the ultimate franchisor believes it is. There are still several hundred very, very good opportunities out there, but there are also quite a few ones that in my opinion certainly aren't worth investing money into and that's why you need an expert to help you through the whole thing.
0: Is the franchising world uh, regulated in America and Australia?
1: Yes yes they are Um, not all countries are some are some aren't Um, so as a result if you buy what is ultimately an American or an Australian franchise in the UK that franchisor will have had to have gone through all the compliance and regulatory work that they have to in their own country. So it does tend to mean if you are buying a franchise in the UK, but the ultimate parent company is in a regulated country, you're probably buying something that's a little more robust and a little more tried and tested. However, that's not to say English franchises are poor. There are plenty of good English franchises that then go on to trade in places like America, and they have to jump through the same regulatory hoops if they want to trade in America, even though they're an English company, as an American company has to. Mm, Okay.
0: So what are some of the common mistakes that potential franchisees make on the journey towards finding a suitable franchise for themselves and Pepsi family i
1: think the most common one is the one i touched on a little while ago not understanding the day job just falling in love with the dream of what they're going to be selling to their clients effectively and not understanding what they're going to do um, also thinking of the franchisor as a miracle worker who can make them successful come what may they can't a franchisor is selling you intellectual property a way of again finding customers and earning money from those customers if you don't use the intellectual property you've been sold in the correct way then you're not going to be successful and the franchisor is not responsible for coming around and saying well you're not doing this properly i'll do it for you that's not going to happen Uh, you have to follow the system that you've bought from the franchisor third one's probably running out of working capital Um, a lot of people have um a poor understanding of how long it takes from the day you start a business to the day it's genuinely going to be earning enough money to not only cover its costs but to make enough of a profit for you to draw that profit out as a wage and many people will think if you start a business on a Monday you'll be making money by Tuesday the reality is most franchisors will say to you depending on their business model you've got to be able to cash flow your life and all the running costs of your business For anything between the first three and 18 months, as I it depends on the particular model that you've bought. But a good franchisor will not pull their punches with that. They will really want to make sure that you have got all the money in place that you need, not just to buy the franchise, but to run it and also to pay all your household bills and your living costs. They'll often insist on seeing bank statements that prove you've got the money to make sure that you can take this through to the end Uh, and also the banks are very good the banks like franchising you can typically get about two-thirds of all the money you need including your cost of living and your working capital uh, from the banks if you've got a good credit rating and you can put together a good business plan
0: Wow, I didn't know that Hmm, interesting Um, so any horror stories you want to share with me around um, in the franchising world
1: uh, yes, I can. I can. I can tell you a few. Um, one of the things that I tend to avoid or tell people to avoid doing is working with business partners, especially if they're friends. I work with a particular brand in the care industry, and they have have had a 100 percent track record of success for the last five years, not had a single franchisee fail, and they had. Two business partners, friends who decided to get together and buy a business between them, who bought a franchise and then had differing ideas about how they wanted to drive this business forward. They then got into arguments about one thought he was putting in more effort than the other. So he felt he should be taking more of the profit that was coming out of the business. Ultimately, they fell out. They were only communicating with each other via solicitor's letter uh, and ultimately the franchisor decided they were underperforming because they'd taken their eye off the business. They were too busy arguing and as a result, he terminated their franchise agreement uh, and that's the only failure he's ever had and he states quite clearly from now on, he will never ever take on business partners ever again. Husband and wife, yes, because hus- husband and wives have normally learned how to get along even though they disagree. But business partners who've never worked together in business usually haven't and therefore they tend to fall out. Um, Also, other horror stories, most most horror stories are actually self-inflicted. So one of the ones I would have is is the one about the, the dream of having a nice boss. I placed somebody into a franchise probably about seven or eight years ago now. And all of his life he'd been a salesman. He had managers managing him, making sure he was hitting his targets. He was doing all the things that he needed to do. And he came to me looking for a franchise after he was made redundant and I found something for him and he, he loved the idea of it and he signed up and joined and it really started to go wrong from day one because all of a sudden for the first time in his working life, he had a nice boss himself and his nice boss told him every time the sun came out, cancel all your appointments and go and play golf because I know you like playing golf and within 12 months he was out of business because his customers realized he was unreliable they didn't think he was acting particularly professionally when all of a sudden he just cancelled meetings and of course when he decided to close his business because he couldn't make any money out of it he blamed me for having introduced it to him in the first place so he is the sort of person who tends to make a poor franchisee because When a problem arises, they look for people to blame rather than looking to own the problem and solve it. Mm. Mm. So yeah, it's an interesting story, but having a nice boss, you do not want to be a nice boss if you're running your own self-employed business. You've got to make yourself get out of bed in the morning, do all the things you need to do, and you don't stop until everything's done. Even if the sun's out and everybody else is having a great time, you've got to get your work done, and you need to make sure that you're strong-willed enough to do that.
0: Mm, absolutely, so give me the other, the, the great stories in, in franchising that you know about yeah
1: I can certainly, a couple a couple of people I've placed, uh, in 2009 I placed a lady into an educational franchise, uh, she was ex IBM, she'd been a coach and a mentor for IBM for many many years and she has now built that business to have I think probably about a dozen staff working for her, she's I wouldn't say semi-retired, that's probably too strong a phrase, but she's certainly a lot more hands-off than she used to be when she started it, and in 2013, she was a finalist for the British Franchise Association's Female Franchisee of the Year Award, so she's completely transformed her life in the six years that she's been running that business. Lovely. Another one. Yes, I placed somebody into a franchise back in May 2012. So we're talking just over three years ago now, Uh, he has now built his business to just shy of a one million pound turnover. And knowing the business model that he's operating, I know that his profit margin should be in the region of 15 to 20 percent. So conservatively, he's probably earning 120, 130,000 pounds a year, something like that now from his own business after just three years. Uh, Now, he is very good. Uh, Let let me state that. Not everybody would be able to achieve what he's achieved, but he has got great lifestyle, great business, and every one of his friends who says, I want to do what you do, he always sends them to me and says, go and have a chat with Keith. Mm
0: -hmm. Great. So give me three tips that a potential franchisee should consider uh, when looking to buy a franchise uh, as a way into entrepreneurship.
1: The first one I would say is it's got to be a burning desire to own your own business. Do not do it as plan B if I can't find another job, because you just won't have the enthusiasm for it. You won't take ownership of those problems. So you've got to be the sort of person who said, One day I am going to give it a go. I will run my own business. I've got to try and see whether I can make this work. You just know it's something that you're going to have to do. As I say, the worst kind is the people who probably in their 50s, maybe in a contracting industry. I'm dealing with a lot of people in the oil and gas industry at the moment because there's a lot of redundancies going on there. So you get people coming to me and you can almost tell when you start talking to them, they're hoping that they'll get another contract. But just in case they don't, they might buy a franchise. Well, that's usually going to be a disaster because they're they're not really determined to run their own business. They're doing it as plan B. Um, Also, when you're looking at a franchise, there are two types of franchise out there. There are those franchises that will sell a franchise to anybody who's prepared to give it a go. And there are those franchises that see you as applying for the role of regional managing director. And they will award you a franchise if they think you're suitable. Now, how do you tell the difference between the two? I always say at least go on a visit to the franchisor's office. Franchisors tend to call this a discovery day. So go on the discovery day. And then when you come back from it, ask yourself, was I being sold to or was I being assessed for suitability? The ones that assess you for suitability will almost certainly do a proper formal interview in the process that they're going to take you through, where they interview you to see if they think you're suitable. And they won't be afraid to say, we don't think you're right for this opportunity way before you hand over any money. On the other side, the ones who will sell a franchise to anybody. If you go to a discovery day, you might hear phrases like anyone can do this. Uh, Hurry now. Territories are selling out fast. Uh, If you put a deposit down today, we'll give you a discount. And they don't really ask anything about you. And if they're not asking anything about you, then that's a franchise that is basically saying the risk is all yours. You're a grown up. You know what you're doing. If you choose to buy this, it's down to you to make it work. And obviously, they are the ones that tend to have the higher failure rates because they often take on people who probably aren't cut out for business ownership. And of course, the third and final one, I'm bound to say this. Use an expert so that you don't make a silly mistake. It's too big a decision to, to go and do it on your own if you've never done it before.
0: Mm, I agree. So finally, if someone is thinking about entrepreneurship, why should they consider the franchising group as, as a way into to being self-employed?
1: Well, there's lots of stats banded about regarding starting your own business and i I never quite know which ones are true and which ones aren't but if you gather them all together you tend to end up with a general opinion that between 80 and 90 percent of all new business startups will fail within the first five years and the majority of those will fail within the first 12 months good franchises and i emphasize the word good proper franchises that do award franchises only to suitable people typically have something like an 80 to 90 percent success rate rather than an 80 to 90 percent failure rate Uh, so I say to people view the franchise fee almost as an insurance policy to mitigate risk it's not a guarantee you'll never get your money back and and if if it does all go wrong but you are taking out an insurance policy to reduce the chances of you being one of the 80 to 90 percent that will fail in business and put yourself into the 80 to 90 percent who will succeed
0: Hmm. Fascinating, really, really interesting, Keith. I thank you so much for sharing um, more about what happens in in the franchising world, at, at, from the perspective of a broker. And, and I'm sure uh, listeners will, will find it useful, particularly if they're thinking about franchising as a legitimate means to being an entrepreneur. And and like you say, it's 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 really important to speak to specialists. And it seems like you're covering a wide range of of franchises, so you can match people um with the skills and desires they have with with the right type of opportunity
1: that's certainly the plan
0: yeah brilliant look thank you so much i really appreciate uh your time today and i've i've learned a lot i'm not looking for a franchise myself but i'm really interested in the topic
1: happy to have helped thank you for your time adele
0: it's a pleasure see you kate bye bye bye